Welcome to the Words of a Warrior podcast. I'm Candy Wheeler, your host and founder of Warrior Women Retreats, internationally recognized conscious business coach, motivational speaker, and author, but most importantly, human, on a journey just like you are. And together, we'll explore insights, tools, and practices to help you recognize your worth, see your potential, and bet on yourself so you can uplevel your life, leadership, and business. Each week, I will bring you profound wisdom, words of encouragement, and real stories of fierce resilience from inspiring creatives, artists, activists, and entrepreneurs. Trade in fear, worry, and self-doubt for deep healing, sacred remembrance, and divine inspiration to follow your excitement and connect with your true purpose. Grab your journal and get ready to take your power back. Welcome back, everyone. I am here with founder of the coffee company, but we're going to tell you that it's not spelled like a normal coffee for a particular reason. C-O-U-G-H-E-E, coffee company. His name is Donnell Jackson. And I'm just so inspired by this epic human being for so many reasons. One, your creative ideas and your epic ventures in business. And also just being so vocal about the things that you're passionate about. So Donnell, welcome. Thank you for being here. So there's a couple of things we connected on in particular. Number one, of course, coffee. I'm a huge fan and your coffee particularly is CBD infused coffee. It's not just regular, any sort of random coffee. So I'd love to dive into talking about that and how you've gotten into even having your own brand of coffee in the first place. We'll be talking about Prop 207, which is the cannabis bill that we all should be really doing more research on. And also Donnell's working on this event called National Expungent Week, which we'll dive into today too. So I'm super excited to have you on. Donnell, will you just tell everyone a little bit about how you got to where you are right now with uh, your your CBD infused coffee to now even building your upcoming coffee shop, which I have been so excited. I've been literally dreaming about the day you open. So just so you know, I'll be the first one through the door. If you could just tell everyone a little bit about your story, that I think would be so much fun. Yeah, I started the coffee company about three years ago. Um, I guess we're on year three now. I previously was a hospitality uh, food and beverage director for a hotel company. I also worked in the cannabis industry for a number of years. And I was a financial advisor for a couple of years as well. So I've had a, a array of experience leading up to this moment. But uh, after years of working for corporate America, if you want to say, uh, like many people, I was just kind of done and over with. Uh, I actually moved out here right when I started the coffee company. So I've been in Arizona a little under, little under four years now. So I started the company. I worked in industries out here for a while. And again, one of the companies I worked with was getting pretty corporate. And I, I just left that aspect and didn't really want to get back into that life again. So I loved coffee. I had when I quit my hospitality job uh, up eight years, I actually went to Europe for about a month and a half, backpacked across Europe, randomly chose where I wanted to go every couple of days. I ended up going to 
eight countries and 12, 14 cities over that time span. Ended up in Amsterdam, like um, a lot of people do on their visits. Makes so much sense now. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of where I had my my thought. I was actually in a um, uh, Amsterdam cafe, and we don't have really an Amsterdam-style cafe in the U.S. There's a couple of places now that have popped up over the years since I kind of started the thought about having a coffee company, and I've checked out some of them, and none of them are still quite the aspect i see that the um not only the coffee side but the cannabis uh bringing them together can go um you look at amsterdam style coffee shops they're very much like your regular coffee shop you go up to the window you still order like your coffee or your cannabis uh whatever you want to get but the way that a lot of retailers or these restaurants slash coffee spaces in the u.s are doing they're still structured in a very, it seems like dispensary in a tight type fashion. And it's not a very, it's not always always a welcoming place. It's like, oh, you have a time limit to be there. You can be in and out. Like I literally went to a place and they said, oh, you have an hour reservation. Didn't know that was a, a real thing. Uh, I mean, I understand for busy restaurants it is, but uh, I wanted to keep that traditional coffee uh, shop atmosphere, but Someone wants to hang out, smoke a little bit. You have that ability and availability to do. I started with the CBD coffee side due to my mom having MS and she wasn't able to drink coffee as much as she used to. I was very much trying to wean her off of pharmaceuticals and the pills that she was just taking. It was not make it, it takes people out of themselves um, and they do more damage than good in a lot of cases so we're trying to find more natural remedies so uh, I learned I started learning a lot about CBD not only in the dispensary aspect but just for that knowledge for my mom having MS she loves coffee as well so figured for those people who have that negative stigma or have that worry about smoking or trying cannabis in different forms about 70% of Americans drink coffee every morning, adult Americans. So wow, yeah. we'll introduce it in a way that it's your daily routine anyway, but you still get that nourishment or that, um, that medicinal properties from the CBD. So I started playing with CBD oils initially, but as you can imagine it creates a oily layer in your coffee, kind of not a great taste, a little filmy, but after a lot of R&D and trial and error, uh, and sourcing some different types of CBD, we found a way to, it's not going to have that oily substance. I mean, coffee is naturally oily itself, uh, the coffee bean itself, but um, yeah. to have a product that you can put out for people that they can just brew and go, uh, they don't have to change their daily routine or, oh yeah, let me remember to take my uh, tincture or take my capsules with me. Uh, it's just part of the natural routine uh, that coffee is for a lot of people. And a lot of people are going to have their one, two, or maybe in your case, four or five cups of coffee a day. Uh, and, but to have that CBD benefit as well, um, where you don't have to have that thought process of remembering to take it. Also with coffee, a lot of people can't drink coffee because of the acidity level or the things that yeah. does to them intestinally uh, with the CBD additive in the coffee. 
not only does you do, do you get the benefit of CBD with pain relief, but it also helps with digestion. You won't get the upset stomach, the bubble guts, the nausea um, yeah. that people get when they drink coffee. So yeah, I've been working on that for three years. We have six wholesale accounts now, and we still have our online presence. And you can find us in a couple stores across Arizona. But And uh, yeah, that's where we're at right now. And hopefully, like I said, we'll be on to the shop soon. And yeah now that you brought up the backpacking through europe trip oh my gosh it makes so much sense i remember first hearing about this coffee shop i was like wait what this is a real thing like it's actually being created because i don't know if you know this but in amsterdam they have these coffee shops and they're so epic and you were like yep like that's the inspiration right um so it makes so much sense and when I heard you sharing this idea, I was like, wow, this is revolutionary just because there is nothing like it in the U.S., right? There, I have never experienced anything like it, but yet, you know, not everybody is going to, well, I mean, everybody's going to want to, but not everybody is going to be able to just take a trip to Europe every time they want to go to uh, have an experience like going to a coffee shop and being able to enjoy both. I'm sure if you're listening, you guys are probably fans of cannabis. And so this is pretty epic. I do want to talk about your coffee shop before we dive into the other fun stuff, which I want everybody to listen to as well. This is has been in the works for a while. And when you just told me November, December, I was like, wow, that's like tomorrow almost, you know, that's like soon. So everybody listening, you better expect this coffee shop to be, uh, to be almost done and, and get ready to go when they open their doors. So can you talk a little bit about the coffee shop? Cause I'm just, I mean, again, of course, it's my favorite thing. I remember messaging, messaging you on Instagram. So, hey, how's the coffee shop coming along? Of course, with the uh, whole COVID pandemic situation, uh, things took a setback. For some that know what have been, I did have a coffee shop in a co-op location. Up uh, till February this year, we closed. We were there for about a little over a year. And that whole time, we're still planning to open the shop concept that you're very familiar with and uh, that we're looking forward to now. Um, the design is out of shipping containers. The bottom level is open to the public. We'll have uh, event space or meeting space. You can go into your normal coffee shop setting. We will offer CBD infused coffee. The upstairs will be at this time, if we're open today, it will be patients only. But if we happen to go recreational uh, or adult use in the next few months or years or whatever may have it, we will open up to the public 18 or 21 and old, depending what the law is stated at that time. But uh, upstairs, like a normal coffee shop as well, you'll have a little more perks. It will be a different atmosphere than downstairs for sure, but it is not going to be like you're just at a party or like it's not going to be a uh, a cannabis party at them we will have them but it it literally be like your normal everyday coffee shop but a lot of people focus better when they get to relax smoke a little we will it's designed that you can you can rent like if you want to do dabs or if you're that kind of person wants to dab spawn things we will have those things available for people but it's typically for the most part going to be bringing your own we won't sell it won't be a dispensary but we will have plans to probably partner with dispensary uh, after a few years and have them do like a delivery service but it's made to be sustainable we want to go solar power reusable water systems 
eco-friendly to the max. Um, you can definitely check out the design, the initial design on our Instagram or website. Um, but also with that, we also are planning to incorporate other business elements as well. It's out of shipping containers, so we want to add um, either larger or smaller shipping containers, but provide retailers or other businesses space and opportunities at a reasonable cost to run their businesses. Um, with a lot of brick and mortar places, uh, the rent is just, uh, it, it, it gets, it gets pretty pricey at times, especially as somebody who's been looking at commercial real estate for the last three years now, I guess two years now you find a big variation in the commercial prices and you can't always do what you need to do. I've had offers and I can go to a retail space, but I won't be able to do the things and operate it like I want to operate it. Also within the facility, I want to have a community farm. It's going to be more of a healing community aspect rather than just a retail space or just a business where you just throw money and go but we want to also uh, offer classes educational sessions teach people how to grow their own food um to be whether you want to be self-sustainable or be just be more eco-friendly um so we have a an expanded plan now and of how we want to do it but it'll be uh, a awesome place to visit yeah it is done uh we're looking in we have a couple properties picked out uh, at this point and hopefully if we can get everything done by october uh beginning of november like you said we plan a november december opening we got goals we plan to move fast we don't have a lot of buildings again inside a shipping container so you don't have to do a bunch of construction that's just manufacturing cutting some hole, holes in doors putting in yeah. some furniture and we're pretty much ready to go I'll just have to tell you this. My birthday is November 12th, so I'm just going to put it out there, perhaps. <laughs> so we can be done by that time so I can celebrate my birthday, maybe have a podcast launch party because we haven't gotten to do that yet. I just can't wait. And everyone listening, um, you're welcome. How cool is this guy, right? Like, what? I'm just so blown away by you, Donnell, and just like all of your ideas just have such a you know, a more conscious approach to everything from the community aspect to even getting other businesses included or retails included and, and making it an experience rather just somewhere you can go buy some coffee or get some coffee. And I, I think those are the coffee shops I'm drawn to the most regardless is the ones that feel like a second home. And so I'm really excited for this. And kind of naturally that brought up the conversation when we were together in person over at the Soul Center of just like, what's this about Arizona possibly being recreational? What's that about? Uh, what should we know about it? And you just kind of blew us away with the education on this aspect. So for everybody listening, I think it's important, especially if you're, you know, a registered voter and you want to be active and knowing what you're voting for and also just making sure you're, you're educated and you're also supporting the community. Prop 207, can you talk about it? Can you tell us what's it about? And also what we need to kind of consider as, as being registered voters? Definitely. Uh, for those who don't know or haven't heard uh, the initial what was called the smart and safe act for adult use 
uh, adult marijuana use in Arizona is now Prop 207. It will be on the ballots in November. And yes, there's great things about having cannabis legal. I mean, it's exciting for everyone. It's like, oh, makes things a lot easier. However, not done properly, it can cause more harm than good in some ways. For November's vote, I would definitely urge anyone and everyone to look at the bill, review the bill, and don't get me wrong, it is very legal, political put uh, or stated in the bills, the kind of benchmarks and what they're looking to do. So if you go to inroot.org, and I'll give that information to Candy as well, so you can put it somewhere, but uh, we did a whole breakdown about the bill um, and what it actually contains. And not just the positive of it being recreational now or adult use now, that's just the, I guess, the big overview. But along with this bill, there are very large um, disservices and gaps. Just to kind of start with the medical industry in Arizona as it is, as of this moment in Arizona, there are not a single black or brown majority owner in a medical cannabis company. There are about 150 dispensaries, a little less than that, but not one is majority or as a, even a 20% share of a black or brown owner. And it's just the same way kind of across America, it's a white male dominated field um, when you get the black and brown population criminalized for it. And just to take things in perspective, you take the population of Arizona, just the percentages. Um, Arizona is only 5% black, so don't get me wrong, it's not a very high percentage at all. I mean, the national average is 13, 14%, and it's about 32% uh, Latinx. However, when you get down to the arrest for, if we just isolate the arrest for the sale and the manufacturing of cannabis, 20% of arrests for the sale and manufacturing of cannabis in Arizona are black and brown black people. Another 40% is the Hispanic or Latinx uh, population. So you're taking 60%, you're telling me 60% of people arrested for sale or manufacturing or cannabis in Arizona are black and brown people, but there's not a single black or brown owner. That is a disparity that is quite ridiculous um, on many aspects. They do have a piece in there about equity licenses and Arizona in this bill are going to provide what they call equity licenses, 26 of them. How that program is built, it is not stated, not said, not explained at all. I mean, Arizona is supposed to be a place that is about small business support and, you know, going shopping small, shopping local. Over a quarter of our dispensaries are owned by multi-state operators or operators who have, uh, or owners who have dispensaries in at least seven other states, if I count last correctly. And then if you want to add another about 20 of those who own three or more dispensaries in the state. So you take a good third of these dispensaries that are owned by companies who are essentially large corporations. And there's not really any small business 
dispensary owners minus the ones in Tucson, I believe there's a few in Flagstaff. There's only, out of the 140 licenses, maybe 20 true small businesses who own dispensaries in uh, Arizona. But the disparity between black and brown people and ownership is, um, it, it's for somebody who's been in industry very, for quite a while, it's very frustrating um, that this is just a continued cycle of locking up minorities, but providing opportunity and wealth to um, white males, essentially. Um, yeah. That is one of the biggest flaws. Also with it, there are going to be some law changes. Right now, um, Arizona is one of the six states that any possession of cannabis, marijuana, uh, or felony charge. For those who don't know, once you commit or you are charged with a felony, you lose voting rights, you lose housing opportunities, you lose educational opportunities, um, jobs. It's the, you essentially become a disenfranchised person uh, in the U.S. And essentially it's impossible to change that. They do have an expungement piece in it. However, that expungement piece is very limited and it's not automated. What you do when you don't automate expungement for something that is continuously growing and at a rapid rate, such as the cannabis industry in, in Arizona, you just keep creating that gap of disparity because you're allowing, let's say, for instance, I believe in May, they sold, uh, Arizona dispensary sold 160,000 pounds of cannabis, 160,000 pounds, but they only are allowing expungement up to 2.5 ounces. So when you create a huge disparity like that, it's, it, again, it, it's a frustrating thing to, to continue to watch and see these processes go um, just because they're funded by a corporation. Um, Harvest, uh, company Harvest is a, it's a local Arizona company, um, but I believe they're in I want to, at least 10 states, uh, but I want to say over to 13. Although they are a multi-state operator, dollar company, when you have companies like Harvest who not only apply for social equity licenses, and these social equity licenses um, are defined to assist those in um, neighborhoods or those who have been uh, negatively affected by cannabis where either laws or over policing or things of that such. But you have a billion dollar company applying for these licenses in other states. They did it in Ohio, and I believe in Maryland as well, or Massachusetts as well. So you also are creating these programs to help the uh, disenfranchised or the people that are being affected, but you're allowing these large multi-state operators to still apply for these licenses and get these licenses. Right. One of the major um, things that bother me also in this planning or how they plan to even spend tax dollars, they are estimating that just in taxes alone, cannabis is going to be taxed 16% on top of normal state and whatever sale, whatever city sales tax you, you have. So at the highest in Arizona, if we do, does go adult use, 
you can be taxed up to 27.2% um, on every purchase that you make. So you spend $100, you're getting taxed 27.20 every time. Um, and again, every city varies, but that is, that would take us to the highest marijuana tax in the U.S. Um, with also that tax, it creates a, they're creating a tax fund uh, for the 16% excise tax is what they call it. In that tax fund, they're estimating well over $300 million to be um, gained from the sale of cannabis in Arizona. How that tax fund is broken down is quite interesting to say the least. Taking that tax fund of, let's say, we'll just call it 300 million. 31% of that is going to go to law enforcement. And law enforcement, not in, okay, you want to support law enforcement, that's one thing, but 31% of a tax to uh, support law enforcement for something you're essentially supposed to be decriminalizing or should be decriminalizing. But it's also for a task force, a cannabis task force, training and equipment. That is a giving, definitely given in current climate, that is a huge chunk. You're talking giving a hundred million dollars to law enforcement, essentially to continue this war on drugs that has been a complete failure since the integration, that has been complete lies since the integration. That's an unacceptable thing that I just don't quite understand still. Right. Even when I've tried to discuss these issues with people that wrote this Smart and Safe uh, Act, it, the reasoning behind it is, for lack of a better word, it's just asinine. It, it, there's no reason that a large chunk at 31% should be designated to law enforcement. If you want to assist law enforcement or you want to, I don't want to say prevent measures or have certain measures, investing that in a health service and substance abuse, something of that sort would be way more beneficial than uh, um, dedicating it to uh, law enforcement at this time. Also, uh, 33% of that is going to Arizona Community Colleges. Arizona Community Colleges uh, are very cannabis intolerant. They've actually expelled a medical patient uh, who had her medical card after she failed a drug test in 2018, I believe this was. Um, She was a nursing student. She got told she wouldn't be affected by uh, her medical patient. However, she was expelled. They have it posted everywhere. It's in their handbooks that they are very, no matter if you're a patient or not, very cannabis intolerant. So to put another hundred plus million into community colleges, understanding wanting to fund education, I won't take that away at all, but what are you providing for the K to 12 education? Right. Which is not a whole lot. I believe they have a portion um, that maybe, I want to say maybe 10 million is going to K to 12 education or the secondary education, primary education, whatever you want to say. But um Yeah, you have a hundred plus million going to community colleges. Wow. There is a lot, a lot of other parts of it goes to like highway initiatives and repairs. 
but there is a portion that goes to what they call the Justice Reinvestment Act. Mm. And I was like, okay, when I started reading this, and that is dedicated to the public health, the substance abuse, restorative justice, uh, focus on uh, economically disproportionate communities, right. and civil rights restoration as well for those who do have felonies and who uh, uh, can qualify for that limited expungement. However, this is 10% of this tax fund. Mm. Discussing like 31% goes to law enforcement, 33% goes to Arizona Community Colleges. A good chunk of the rest goes to highway patrol and things like that, or highway repairs and road repairs. But you like the smallest amount, the smallest amount of 10%. Wow, 10 yeah, to handle what you feel is a public health issue or that substance issue, that's restorative justice issue. There are over 70 million felony convictions in the U.S. right now. Not not necessarily Arizona, but to focus 10% on the Justice Reinvestment Act is just not, it's a disservice and it's disrespectful. uh, Yeah, to say the least. (laughs) Yeah. So that is a another issue. Right. And with and, and with this, there's some uh, some fun aspects where people are like, oh yeah, now we get to grow. Uh, they do have a grow portion of the bill. Just to give like a quick rundown, I know I started kind of digging into uh, the portions of the bill that are problematic. But uh, just to give people a rundown of kind of what is going to occur or what the laws will kind of change to. Legal, the sale, possession, everything, of course, uh, consumption will be legalized up to one ounce. Five grams can be concentrate. How you do have to still maintain uh, if your employer has a drug-free workplace, you still um, have to abide by your employer's rules, policies, whatever they may be. A uh, thing that uh, is also not pointed out is they're essentially increasing the penalties for. Um, DUI or uh, driving on an influence of marijuana. Which is already like super ridiculous. I had a friend who literally had like hardly any alcohol in her system when she, I think it was her 21st birthday, when somebody hit her, she had an accident, some, somebody hit her with their car and she had to go to 10th city and pay like a $25,000 fine on her 21st birthday and I just thought like wow she probably just had a couple of drinks it's already super crazy and then they're now you're saying that like it's getting even more intolerant than it already is yep so it's supposed to be a put in that's part of that police fund uh so when it comes to marijuana also uh, it is now going to state the slightest degree of impairment will subject you to DUI. However, well, not however, in addition to that, that slightest degree of impairment is, of course, all going to be determined on the officer you get at that time or you encounter. And you don't necessarily have to be impaired. Say you just, you have cannabis in the car, you have marijuana in the car. And it's not hasn't been burned, hasn't been used, it's just in there. And for some people, cannabis can be loud. It has a very big smell, if, uh, depending on what kind of strain you get or where you get it from. But with that, 
if a officer, let's take me for example, if I get pulled over and the smell of marijuana is in my car and they are reducing this to an offer discretion to, with the slightest impairment, you don't have to fail a sobriety test. You don't, they don't have to give you a sobriety test. They don't, you don't have to have any of those uh, structures in any way happen. I'm most likely going to get arrested for DUI, whether I've been consuming cannabis or not, if the smell is in my car. And it's not, and, and honestly, it's just more likely to happen to me just being a black or brown person in Arizona. So the fact that they're essentially increasing penalties for DUI is going to create more issues. Now, police are supposed to have this $100 million to go to training and things of that sort. But like you said, they are already very intolerant. So to think that any kind of training or whatever they plan to do to identify better, uh, to better identify people who've been consuming or using marijuana, we don't know what that is. We don't know how that's going to look. Um, however, I don't see it being a positive aspect for anyone who travels with, uh, consumes, or whether it's been before you're driving or anything of that aspect, um, it, it will cause a problematic issue. Um, you do get the cool things like people are excited that you get to grow six plants uh, up per person, um, up to 12 per household. Uh, but what also they're not explaining or asking or considering is if you have a one ounce limit, I don't know how many you're familiar with growing. If you have a six plant limit, you can grow in your house, but you have a one ounce possession limit. How does that work? Because if you grow one plant, chances are, unless you're just, you have to be a really really, really bad, bad grower to get less than an ounce on any plant you grow. So if you can grow six plants, but you're only allowed to possess an ounce, we don't get clear understanding of how that will actually look, work, um, because say you have plants come in your house for some reason and you do have plants going or you have an ounce or two or some, some somewhere situational. What does that mean for you? What does that look like for you? Like, oh, this is all grown from my six plant limit, but you still have this one ounce threshold that you cannot cross. So there's a lot of empty blank spots regarding um, how this legalization and transition will work. Uh, I just talked about expenditure for low-level possession. They are changing if you have over an ounce possession or just no possession from a felony. So that is one of the, I guess, smaller benefits of it. With this transition to adult use, what also a lot of people don't uh, realize for those, so like, oh, we're going to adult use, they're going to have more medical, or they're going to have more uh, cannabis dispensaries and licenses go out. All those recreational licenses that are getting out they're supposed to be about 150 all those are going to current dispensary owners um, mm. every medical dispensary gets a matching recreational license as well mm. so for those of you who are like oh we're going to go adult use or the opportunity 
there would be a very, very, very limited opportunity to enter the cannabis industry if this bill goes through as is. If you have any interest in being in the cannabis industry, I'm not saying it's not possible after this, but it's not a very high percentage. Right. Uh, if you do, most people who have contracts with large dispensaries or a lot of companies, they're essentially giving up 40 to 60% of their company. Right. The dispensary. So yes, that is opportunity where you can do it. However, this essentially locks the cannabis industry out for majority of the people and it doesn't it also doesn't protect those those there also will be let me just say there will be 20 licenses that go out um recreational licenses or adult use licenses that will be up for selection and they're supposed to be random however there are still no limits from the large corporations from flooding the application pool and essentially just taking those licenses as well. Right. Um, still banned smoking in public. And what do I get asked, just kind of jumping back to my coffee shop, um, how is this, how will it be legal the way uh, I do it? So smoking in public is uh, banned and still will be exactly how it's in the bill. It says continues to ban smoking uh, in public places like restaurants, open sidewalks, things like that. However, just my design and how we have it set up, it's not necessarily within the space of the main coffee shop. So it would essentially be two different places. So we don't quite have to worry about it. But it is still going to be illegal to smoke in public. Um, and my, I guess the final big piece is just with Arizona DHS. So Arizona Department of Health Services has, has ran the medical marijuana program since the inception. However, they are a health service that are not quite suited and prepared to monitor a program like a cannabis program. They're the complaints that you get from um, dispensary agents and former managers dispensaries are you, they they come quite often and it doesn't seem like much is done by about it. But you have these illegal operations essentially from a legal entity that isn't being managed, isn't being monitored very well at all. Um, there's lawsuits against multiple dispensaries in Arizona that uh, are in process right now um, just due to some of the illegal activities. Um, selling patient, uh, pay, non-patient product. They have multiple employee manuals. Uh, DHS has a strict manual you have to go by, but a lot of these companies don't abide by it. And then you get the problem of them not creating a testing program in its inception. In its inception. However, they created one now, but it is not doing much at all. I don't know if I still have this, but so I'll actually let it sit for a while. Um, for those who shop at dispensaries and see go to dispensaries very often, this bud came to me about two months ago. And um, this is a dispensary bud, and I'm going to put it real close, but I don't know if you can actually see this little frost capsule right in the middle. Yeah. That is mold. 
from a dispensary. Oh, and no. I can't really get in there. I'll have to send the pictures or put it somewhere. But yeah, a lot of the dispensary we get is moldy, um, has mold spores, whether in the flour or the concentrate itself. Um, so DHS, the management of the program has been atrocious at best, and it doesn't seem it's getting better. This and this bud was post testing. This is post their testing uh, regulations that they've instituted since the inception. But it's just not a. We don't get a lot of. I'm let me first. I don't want to say we don't get a lot. There are a lot of dispensaries who are not producing clean medicine for their patients. Right. And you're doing a disservice to them. You are literally harming people. You have people smoking mold spores, ingesting mold spores, whether it be edibles or smokable products. And it's literally doing damage to their body that they're not aware of or don't even know. Right. Um, So those are kind of the, I guess, the large... um, issues at hand um, with the bill um, and also those who are, who are foster parents there's a lot of question of legality about what they are able and can and cannot do if you plan to adopt so there's a lot of things that were not considered or not addressed in the smart and safe act or this prop 207 which is going to be uh on the bill what it's going to be listed as that uh are problematic and yeah you don't know what you're really voting for. <laughs> right. Uh, it's kind of hard to decide and figure out whether you agree or disagree, but there's a lot of issues that I didn't cover and didn't say. Yeah, which is crazy because I, I feel like we covered so much. And, and I don't know, if you're like me and you're listening, you're like soaking it all up, taking notes, like, hold on, wait, okay, yep, I'm voting no. And also just, I mean, who knows, this might ruffle some feathers, but if it does ruffle your feathers, you're probably not supposed to be here listening to this podcast. So bye. Donnell, thank you so much. Even just listening to you share a little snippet of this when we were in person chatting, I just instantly thought of how many young people, you know, if you're listening to this, you're probably in this age range, millennial, or even some, some of you might be even younger. And um, I know so many people are just like, yeah, like legalize it, you know, but there's also so much to consider when you're actually voting and making sure the bills are uh, not unjust in in this type of way, especially this type of way. Like now that you brought all this to the forefront for me, even you guys, I learned so much just listening to Donnell share about this. I'm so clear on which way I'm voting. And I think a lot of people can feel powerless when hearing how much is just messed up in terms of these bills and all the things that, you know, we think we have power in voting for when the reality is there's all these other things that if you actually read it, you'll realize like, okay, actually you might be giving some power away in this instance. So um, let's all be smart about the way we vote and let's use it. Especially, I mean, my mom, she's um, an immigrant to the U.S. So she can't vote. So, you know, I think everyone, especially young people gets to step up in this way and, and actually use our voices. 
And so thank you so much for educating in, us in this manner. And also, I know you have National Insp Expungement Week coming up. So if you could talk a little bit about that and how people can support you and, and, and um, support the, you know, the cause. Definitely. Uh, so the expungement piece in the bill in the Prop 207 is one of my biggest sticklers, uh, just because I am part of uh, it's called National Expungement Week. It's a national program. I want to say we're up to close to 50 clinics. We're not in every state, but we're definitely in every region. And you can definitely get assistance in every region. I'm the Arizona coordinator for uh, National Expungement Week. We just started our Instagram page, EZ Expungement Week. You can also go to nationalexpungementweek.org to find out information. But what we do at National Expungement Week, there's over 70 million uh, convicted felons in the U.S. Most people don't realize once you become or branded a felon and say you had a feed, uh, a cannabis seed in your pocket or that you from a bag or, and you get pulled over and stopped, chances are you're going to get charged with a felony. Now you can play it down and things happen, but that is a felony charge when you go to court. No matter if you have one gram or 10, or just a pipe. And people have the, you get this brand as a felon that so many people look at you in a negative aspect without knowing the details, without knowing what happened or your experience, how it happened, why it happened. But again, something as small as just having a little bit of marijuana is a felony in the U.S. or in Arizona. So with Expungement Week, we fight to get your rights restored. We don't have traditional expungement in Arizona, unfortunately. What we have is called a set-aside. Now, expungement essentially clears your record after your felony, you served, you've done your debt to society and paid all your court costs and all. At that point, once you've done all your court mandated responsibilities, we should be able to say, okay, you're, you're done, your rights are restored, you're a normal citizen again, however you want to look at it. But that's not what we do here in the U.S. We continue to create a cycle of punishment for felons. So you use your rights to housing, education, job. If you want to carry a firearm, you can no longer carry a firearm. And with uh, the set aside, you in Arizona, you can still get your rights restored. However, it is not removed from the record. If an employer does a search or a governmental background search, it will still come up that you are a registered or you are a convicted felon. However, you can get those voting rights, the right to carry, housing, all those rights back. So it kicks off September 19th through the 26th. As of right now, we have two clinics prepared in Arizona. One on the 21st uh, at Be More Clean is a naturopathic clinic in Scottsdale. And then the second one is at um, uh, you might know where that is. Uh, that one's downtown Fien uh, Mesa, and that will be on the 24th. And you can check out our uh, post information on the Coffee Co. website, website and Instagram. Um, again, I said it's the AZ Expungement Week Instagram as well. And then we have the national platforms. If you wish, always looking for volunteers. We're doing a lot of canvassing and just putting out the message to get people in. We will have an online option this year. Uh, for people to pre-register or register any non-violent crime or felony charge you can uh, apply to get set aside from your record we don't do misdemeanors uh, unfortunately at this time but again any felony charges if you completed your 
court fees, uh, any probation. Uh, and even if you haven't, we can definitely still direct you the way you need to go and uh, to bring to the super process. Um, we do cover all your fees, fingerprints, um, the application fee just to get it set aside or your right to store it is I believe 280. We, again, if we, we can't get you the waiver for it, we will cover your fees, uh, fingerprint cards as well. So anything you need throughout the process, we can take care of. Um, transportation wise, if you have to take a bus, we will provide bus passes for you. Um, and or gas card if you need a gas card. We're working on the Lyft and Uber situation if we can do a ride share, but uh, as of right now, we're only offering bus passes and gas cards for those in need to uh, get to and from. Um, or if you need any information just to call or check out online as well. It is gonna be more of a year round thing now with National Expansion Week. So yeah. though we're doing live clinics between the 19th and the 26th, you can definitely always reach out if you want to or whenever you want to and feel you need the service or pass along to anyone else. So although National Expansion Week technically is on the 26th, the uh, website portal and to register will still be open every day year round hopefully we have the website up later on this week as well so any other details anybody wants or needs you can definitely get we'll drop those links in the show notes below so everyone listening can participate and support donnell thank you so much for coming on the podcast for being willing to just drop your wisdom share with everyone and being who you are for the world. I think it's just so cool to know someone like you. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much, Kenny. I definitely appreciate it and wonderful to see you as always. Everyone listening, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in with me on the Words of a Warrior podcast. I am so happy you stopped by and would love to know what you took away from this conversation. If you feel so moved, please feel free to share with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes so that we can keep getting this message into the hands of the people who need it the most. Let us know what you loved, topics you want to hear more of, and your favorite words of a warrior. Until next time, keep taking back your power, following your excitement, and unapologetically living the life you were born for.